This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll. I think it's safe to say that all humans, every human being, every one of us, craves acceptance and affirmation. Acceptance, to know that we belong, we have a place. Affirmation, to know we have value. I think it's why so many young people throw themselves into sports and music and theater, in one part because they enjoy those things, uh, but I think in perhaps equal part because they love the feeling of acceptance and affirmation that it brings them to make the team or land the role, be chosen. I'm in. I'm accepted. I belong. I'm valuable enough. I'm good enough that they want me to be a part of this. I don't think there's any one of us that doesn't want that in in some measure, some form, some way. Acceptance and affirmation. I remember in 10th grade, after a few years of of middle school basketball that were kind of up and down, in 10th grade, to my utter surprise, joy, and astonishment, instead of making the sophomore team, which I had expected, I was actually placed on the JV. The following year, conversely, my disappointment, even slight devastation when Now, expecting to be placed on the varsity team, I was kept on the JV team. The good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beautiful thing, is that it it does not depend on skill level or how much you practice or how tall you may be or, or not. No skills required. Just believe. That's why John, at the beginning of his gospel, says... But for all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So as we'll see later on, the acceptance and the affirmation that Jesus receives in his baptism is available to all who believe in him. Our story today is from Luke chapter 3. I'll be reading verse 21. Jesus came to the Jordan where all the people were being baptized by John. He, John was preaching repentance. People were confessing their sins and coming to the water. And it says in verse 21, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. This is a short but massively important story. For one thing, it's in all the scriptures, it's one of the most clear depictions of the Trinity. We have the voice of the Father, the Son, Jesus, there in the water, and the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. This is also important because here he is declared to be Messiah. Messiah simply means the anointed one. And Jesus, in the next chapter, when he's at Nazareth, he brings this all together. He teaches them after reading from Isaiah 61, where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Jesus is saying that anointing of the spirit has happened. It's fulfilled. It's fulfilled in me. So Jesus is drawing all of these things together. He's declaring, I am the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, traditionally, anointing was with oil. Prophets in the Old Testament would anoint kings and priests to set them apart for their duty. But here, the father does not use oil. He anoints his son with the Holy Spirit. 
Now here, when, when we pray and, and we practice anointing, we, we've gone back to the symbol of oil. But when we anoint you with oil, that oil is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we used to actually use real doves when we would anoint in prayer, but it, it got a little expensive and kind of messy. So I'm just kidding. It wasn't that expensive. In verse 21, we read that Jesus was baptized, and we know that this was a baptism for sinners. They were repenting, and there would have been a lot of questions among those who saw Jesus go down into the water. Why, why is he going down? And there may be a similar question for us. Why does Jesus go into the water for sinners? The scandal is also not lost on, on John himself. We find out in Matthew's account of the same story, John the Baptist says, don't do this. I should be baptized by you, but you come to me. And Jesus said, let it be so to fulfill all righteousness. Well, what did that mean to fulfill all righteousness? What is he doing? Well, Jesus, in order to identify with us in our sinfulness, he stands with us in the waters of the Jordan. He stands for us in the waters of the Jordan. He identifies with us in our sinfulness so that we may come to identify with him in his righteousness. Now, the reason that we celebrate the baptism of Jesus in such close conjunction with the Feast of the Nativity, Christmas Day, the reason these are so close together is because they proclaim the same truth, which is this. When fallen human nature is given to you and me, that is, when, when we're conceived in the womb of our mother, we receive our humanity, but with it we receive the fallenness of that humanity. And that fallenness cripples us. It means that it's inevitable that we will sin, we'll go astray, we'll fall short. So we receive a fallen humanity. Jesus receives the exact same fallen human nature, but something different happens. Rather than him being crippled by the fallenness, Jesus cripples the fallenness itself. In the moment that he takes on our humanity, he heals it. So when he comes to the waters of repentance, it's not to drown his own personal sins, of which he had none. The Bible's really clear about that. It was not to drown his own personal sins, but he comes to drown the sins of the whole human race, whom he represents and whom he came to save. He also comes into the water to prepare the water for all baptisms that would follow. So John's baptism was a different baptism than Christian baptism. And what Jesus is doing by coming into the water is he's setting apart now all future baptisms. They will be different. They will have a different quality. The water does not cleanse Jesus. Jesus cleanses the water. If you will, the water itself is washed when Jesus goes into it. We see this symbolized, and you'll, you'll see it in a few moments, at our baptisms today when the priest will take the Christ candle, the Paschal candle, and plunge it into the water to show us that Christ has already gone ahead of us into the waters of the Jordan. And at that moment, those waters over there in that font become the Jordan River. We leave the 21st century and we enter the first century. We depart from the western suburbs and we find ourselves in the wilderness of Judea. Every one of you who has been baptized, you've been baptized in the Jordan River. So Jesus was baptized for us. But this is an important moment for him also, for him 
personally. Jesus goes into the Jordan, but when he comes out, he receives from his Father in heaven this voice of acceptance, you belong to me, and this voice of affirmation, I'm pleased with you. He also is anointed with the Spirit for power. And Jesus, even though he's God, he does not dream of, he wouldn't dare to go about the work of his mission to save the world apart from the Father's love and apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't do that. He could have because he's God, but he never would have because as God, he is intimately connected to his Father and to the Holy Spirit. And so he submits himself to receive the Father's love and the Spirit's power. Now, we could preach a whole other sermon on receiving the Spirit's power. Today, we're going to focus on that receiving of the Father's love, that deep need we all have for acceptance and affirmation. The Father gives it. He says to Jesus, you are my beloved Son. You are mine. You belong to me, and I belong to you. In the ancient world, a Roman father, a patriarch of the family, when a child was born, he either accepted that child as his own or not. And even if the child was biologically his, if he rejected that child, that child was rejected. Conversely, a child who was not his biologically, yet if he accepted that child as his own in every way, legally, that child became his. So here the father gives his pledge of acceptance. He declares, you are my beloved son. Therefore, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. And that promise is irrevocable. Even in the cross, the father does not leave Jesus. Sometimes we get confused on this because Jesus says, why have you forsaken me? And what's happening in that moment is he's indeed experiencing the deepest and darkest experience and feeling of forsakenness. But what we know is that he was not actually forsaken by his father. He is never away from his father, and his father never leaves him alone. He will not break that promise that he declares in the waters of the Jordan, you are mine, and I will never renounce that. I will never give you up. I will never give you away. You are mine. It is also the voice of affirmation. With you, I am pleased. And this echoes the prophecy we heard in Isaiah 42, which was a song of the servant, a, a prophecy about the coming Messiah. We heard in that prophecy, Behold my servant, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. And the Father says to Jesus, With you I am well pleased. Oh yes, you have unfathomable value. And you are bringing the greatest value to the world. I am pleased with you. We also might note the very direct and personal nature of these words. It's the Father speaking directly to Jesus. You, you are my beloved son. This is important because later on in the story, there's a very similar episode where Jesus grabs three disciples. They go up the Mount of Transfiguration. There the heavens are parted. The, the Spirit descends again, this time in the form of a cloud. And a voice comes from above saying, this is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. But this time the Father is talking not to Jesus. He's talking to the other disciples. So it's important to note here in the Jordan, he's talking right to Jesus. You, you are my beloved son. 
And this is so important for us because it it shows us the direct and the personal quality, the intimate and connected quality of God's love for us. Like a mother holding her newborn, that connection that happens eye to eye. Even more intimate than that, the father is saying to the son, you are my beloved, with you I'm well pleased. Now we know that Jesus, as a man, experienced emotions. He wept at the grave of Lazarus. He was angry when he saw the injustice of leaders. And we can only wonder, what was his emotion? What did he feel in that moment when the heavens were torn open and he heard the voice of his father? We can only wonder. We we don't know. The scriptures don't tell us. But what we do know is that this was so important, it was the first thing he did on his mission to save the world. He wouldn't save the world apart from this affirmation and acceptance by his Father, apart from the anointing of the Spirit in power. So at the beginning I said it's, it's common to all of us that we desire acceptance and affirmation. There's no one who doesn't want that. And, and actually, I'd, I'd go a step further, and I'd venture to say, there's no one who doesn't need that. And the indescribable gift of being a Christian is that we are now invited into Christ's own identity. What's true of him becomes true of us. Even our name, Christian, means little Christs, little messiahs, little anointed ones, mesaitos, mesaitas. I don't know if that's a real word, but it should be. (laughs) What's true of him becomes true of us in our baptism. The love that he received from his Father, so too also we receive in that same direct, personal, intimate, and connected way. And it's so important that we hear those words, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, with you I am well pleased. Of course, not on your own merits. Let's not be, let's not be ridiculous, right? We don't earn this. It comes as the sheer gift of grace. But as a gift of grace, it is yours in full. With you, I am well pleased. And we need to hear those words. Oh, we need to hear those words because if we don't, we will spend our whole lives searching for acceptance and affirmation in all the wrong places. We'll become needy And we'll go to other people in our lives and suck them dry with our neediness and yet never be satisfied. Because the only thing that can satisfy that deep need for acceptance and affirmation is the Father's voice speaking his love to us alone. And of course, you know there is an evil one who is doing everything in his power to prevent us from hearing that or to prevent us from deeply receiving it. So there are many of you here this morning, you know the truth of what I'm saying, and yet you don't know it in the depth of your soul, in the core of your being. And that's because we need a healing to enable us to receive the Father's love. Like I said, there's an evil one who's doing everything in his power to keep us from understanding our identity. Look at the story. Right after the genealogy, the very next thing that happens, the next part of the story, is Jesus goes into the wilderness where he is tempted and tested by the devil. And in the three classic temptations, two of the three, how does the devil begin? If you are the Son of God. One moment, Jesus hears the Father say, you are my Son. The next moment, it's the devil saying, if you are the Son of God. 
He's seeking to, ca- to cast doubt on Jesus' own identity and his deep connection with the Father. And he does the exact same for you and me. This doubt comes back again. The final temptation of Christ, you might say, is on the cross, where the devil again, now through the voices of the Pharisees and the chief priests who are mocking him, they say, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross and we'll believe you. And it's the evil one again, trying with everything he can in that last moment of desperate attempt to have Jesus deny his identity. Thankfully, Jesus does not succumb to the lie, but unfortunately, you and I do. And furthermore, whenever we experience a rejection of any kind, whether small or or deep and profound, whenever we experience a rejection by another human being, the, the evil one would love to come in and exploit that and begin to implant in your mind this voice, like a tape recorder playing over and over again that says things like, how could God or anyone love me, choose me, want me, desire me? How could anyone delight in me? I don't believe it. I can't believe it. I won't believe it. So this morning, if you carry in you a deep sense of rejection, of being unwanted, whatever the source of that rejection may be, or if you carry within you a deep sense of worthlessness, I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, I have no value, I'm a terrible mother, I'm a terrible father. I'm a terrible friend, I'm a terrible son or daughter, I'm a terrible spouse, I'm a terrible employer, I'm a terrible student, I'm a terrible Christian, I'm a terrible person. That voice in any variation and to any degree, that's the woundedness of rejection, that's the woundedness of feeling worthless. And Jesus can heal that deep wound in the soul. Only Jesus can. So all of us, at whatever level we are today, feeling unwanted or feeling feelings of worthlessness, let us come and give to Jesus our need for acceptance and affirmation. Let us also give to him all of the ways that we are looking for acceptance and affirmation in the wrong places or in the wrong way. And let us ask him, let us ask Jesus for a revelation of the Father's love. You'll notice in the story that the heavens were opened. And in the Bible, whenever you see that phrase, the heavens were opened, it signifies a revelation from God is about to come down. So Ezekiel, in the first verse of Ezekiel, he says, the heavens were opened and I saw the Lord. So when the heavens are opened, there's an open portal between earth and the highest heaven where God lives and he's about to give something. He's about to do something. And it's that kind of revelation, it's that kind of epiphany that we need for the healing of our wounds of rejection and the feelings of worthlessness. So let's not be ashamed to ask for that. As we come today to the Eucharist, as we see others receiving the sacrament of baptism, let us not be ashamed to ask for that gift of revelation of the Father's love to receive that healing. And I'll end with a specific prayer that I'll give to you that I would love for us this week to pray every day, maybe even 
in the morning and at night. First thing when we rise, last thing before we go to bed. And in this prayer, like Jesus standing in the, in the waters of the Jordan looking up to heaven, I want you there in the privacy of your bedroom or wherever makes sense to stand with arms upraised, to look to heaven and to pray this prayer. Father, show me your love and fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's the prayer. Father, show me your love and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let's pray that for ourselves. Let's pray that for our church. Let's pray that for our community. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.